John chapter 18. <laughs> and it's that same, that same sense of assurance that we see in Jesus in the passage we have to read. That even though he knew all that he was about to encounter and all that he was going to go through, he remained calm and in control because he knew he was fulfilling God's work and God's will. So let's read John chapter 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came with the lanterns, torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, who are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. And saying that, that the same might be fulfilled, which he spoke of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having drew a sword or having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall not I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Then a detachment of truths, uh, troops and, and the captain of the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to, an, to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple, which of course we know is John or is believed to be John. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went in with Jesus into the courtyard of the, of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You're not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine or his teaching. And Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I'm always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me that I, what, I, what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And then one, uh, when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand saying, do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they came to him. You're not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter had cut off, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter denied again. 
and immediately a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning, and they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It's not lawful for us to put anyone to death that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you uh, of this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so so that I would not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate answered, therefore, and said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I'm a king for this cause I was born. And for this cause, I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice or listens to me. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he'd said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They all cried again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. In this chapter, we move from dialogue to narrative. In the previous um, chapters 14 through 17 we've been listening to all that jesus was saying to the disciples in the upper room the last message that he was giving them instructions and encouragement before before he entered into this period of of his actual crucifixion and so now we move into the crucifixion narrative and it's the final action before the cross in comparison with the other gospels john doesn't fill in the details of various trials that, that jesus went through For example, he doesn't mention Jesus going to the Sanhedrin or being sent to Herod, which are in some of the other Gospels. Instead, he focuses on a number of specific incidents within the arrest and trial of Jesus. And they are the arrest in the garden, Jesus before Annas, and Jesus before Pilate. So we're just going to look at those three discrete um, incidents that are laid out in this passageway. In chapter 19, John goes on to conclude the trial before Pilate and to describe the crucifixion itself. And we'll come to those elements next week. But throughout this whole episode, we see Jesus in total control, even though he's the prisoner. He knows what's going to happen to him, and yet he doesn't lose it. He's in control. And he's directing events because he knows he's got a path to walk to fulfill the reason he came to earth. And it all starts with the arrest in the garden. This part of the narrative begins by locating it in the Garden of Gethsemane, across the Kidron Valley. It also tells us that it was a place where Jesus often met with his disciples. And so he went there because when Judas and the other team came to arrest him, they would know exactly where he would be because it was a place that he would frequently go and spend time with his disciples. John specifically tells us that the party who came to arrest Jesus were made up of both temple officials and police as well as some Roman soldiers, who were there presumably to ensure order was kept. 
And I'm sure that Jesus could have seen and heard this band coming towards him way before they got there. Can you imagine in the dead of night, a band with torches and with marching soldiers coming across the, the valley? It wouldn't have been a quiet scene. Jesus could have probably seen them from a quarter of a mile away coming towards him and was waiting for the moment of their arrival in the garden. And here John slips into those wonder, one of those wonderful descriptions of Jesus. He says, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen, went out and asked, who is it you want? Total control. He's amazing, isn't he? Just totally. And, and John sums this up. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen, all that he was about to go through, the agony, the suffering. Jesus is in control. Who is it you've come for? course he knows who they've come for but throughout the gospel of john jesus forces people to make a decision about him and here he's doing exactly the same they have to declare who it is they're coming to arrest before he will yield to them they have to have to understand the implications of what they are doing so that the choice they make will not be in ignorance jesus leaves them no in no doubt as he responds i am in, in my translation, and probably in many, it's, it says, I am he. But the he is just, he's not there. Jesus responds, I am. In other words, he uses the name of God, Yahweh, to respond to these people. I'm Yahweh. You're coming to arrest Yahweh. Are you sure you want to go through with this? I'm the God who gave the, the, the Ten Commandments to Moses. I'm the God who led the people out of Israel. I'm the God who established worship in the temple. And you're coming to arrest me? That's the implication of all that was going on here. He uses that name that no Jew would have used of themselves. And the impact of his words were immediately. They drew back and fell to the ground. I think we can almost miss something. Summit of power went out from Jesus at that moment. They didn't just step back. They fell. <laughs> You've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, power going out from the, from the tabernacle. That's what's happening, you know, from the, the covenant, Ark of the Covenant. That's what's happening. Jesus says... I am he. Incredible. And they stay back. And then he says, so who have you come to arrest? Jesus of Nazareth. Well, I am he. I am. And yet, even in the midst of that knowledge and that experience, they go ahead and arrest him. It's incredible, isn't it? Even knowing who it is that's standing before them, they still arrest him. But Jesus is in total control. Then we see Havago Peter trying to mess things up by pulling out his sword and chopping off the ear of the high priest's servant. And once more, Jesus rebukes him. Remember from Matthew 16, where, Jesus de- uh, where Peter declared, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then five minutes later, he's trying to stop Jesus from going to, to, to crucifixion. Here again, he's standing in the way of Jesus fulfilling his calling, and Jesus rebukes him. Poor old Peter. He gets it right or he gets it wrong, doesn't he? And here, chopping off the high priest's servant's ear is probably not the best plan that he had that day. (laughs) So Jesus is arrested, and he's taken to Annas. He's not taken to the Sanhedrin straight away, or even to Caiaphas, the high priest. Instead, he's taken to Annas the father-in-law of Caiaphas. 
According to Josephus, the Jewish historian, Annas was the high priest at the beginning of the first century, but he was deposed by the Roman procurator in AD 15 and replaced by Caiaphas. So he'd been high priest, but the Romans had made him stand down and put Caiaphas in his place. In the years that followed the crucifixion later, Annas had five of his sons all become high priest at some stage. This was a political family. This was the Kennedys. Or perhaps the Clintons or something. <laughs> that, that's the kind of family that Annas was, in, was the head of. It was a family that, that were in power and wanted to hold the reins of power. If it wasn't him, it was his son-in-law. If it wasn't his son-in-law, it was his five sons. And they held power in Jerusalem for a long period of time. As, since he was no longer high priest, he had no right to take Jesus and try him. And yet, because he's the hand of political power, he insists that Jesus comes before him. He also turns up it later in Acts chapter 4, when John and Peter are arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin. He's part of that party as well. So he's always in the midst of, uh, or the thick of the trouble, and particularly against Jesus and the church. So he's got no right to interrogate Jesus. But because he's clearly a significant player, he's pulling the political strings. He questions Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. And clearly he wants more arrests. I'm not just going to leave it here with this troublemaker. I want all his disciples gathered up. And Jesus just responds quietly. It's been obvious what I've been doing. It's been in the public place. It's been in the synagogue. It's been in the temple. You've heard it all. Ask other people. And he gave them no other information. In this whole scene as well. There is a real contrast between Jesus and Peter. You've got Jesus before Annas and you've got Peter just outside. You've got Jesus being interrogated and staying in that place of control. You've got Peter in total panic. Jesus in the face of an unfair trial remains calm, straightforward and in control. In comparison, when Peter is interrogated as to whether he's a disciple of Jesus by those in the courtyard outside, he denies even knowing Jesus. Peter wants to cover up his involvement. Jesus is completely open, allowing those trying him to condemn themselves. Peter is flustered and lies. Jesus is calm and tells the truth. He is our model. When we're under pressure, when things aren't going well, when they're conspiring against us, when all that we face seems to be leading into a dark alley, remember the Savior, who before his accusers never became a victim stood up to them even though he knew what the outcome was going to be when you're challenged about your faith be bold because you're speaking the truth we don't need to be like Peter and try to hide what we are but we need to be like Jesus we can speak with authority because he's on our side however even if we fail like Peter we can be restored and I'm glad about that So then with Annas having tried him, Jesus is dragged off to Pilate, to the Praetorium. And it begins in chapter 18 and the the discussion with Pilate goes over into chapter 19. And at the start, Pilate is almost dismissive of, of Jesus. By the end, he's a man in fear who just wants to get rid of Jesus and to place responsibility for his actions on the Jewish leaders. And in between, in the dialogue that proceeds between them, we see Pilate move from an arrogant governor to a desperate man caught on the horns of a dilemma. 
Pilate begins this encounter with the Jewish leaders who have brought Jesus to them. They've brought Jesus to him, but they refuse to come inside his house. Why? Because for a Jew to come inside a Gentile's house, and especially just before they're about to eat the Passover, would have, would have defiled them. And they wanted to eat the Passover, so they wouldn't even come into the governor's house. If I was the governor of the city at that moment, I'd be a little bit miffed by that, wouldn't you? You want to bring me a prisoner to try, and you're not even prepared to come inside and tell me about him? They don't actually bring a charge against Jesus, but they do insist that he deserves the death penalty. And this leads Pilate immediately to try and dismiss them, but he concedes. And it would appear that they have told him that Jesus claimed to be king of the Jews, because Pilate immediately asks him about this. Are you king of the Jews? And straight away, Jesus turns turns the tables on him and puts him on the back foot. Jesus tells him plainly that he is a king but that because his kingdom is not of this world, he's allowed himself to be arrested. And so he's asserting that he's in control of this whole situation. He hasn't been arrested just because the Jews wanted to arrest him. He's been arrested because he chose to submit himself and not affirm his rights as king because his kingdom is of another world. And this gives Pilate something to latch on to. You are a king then. But Jesus affirms that he's a king, but that he's not come to fight but to proclaim the truth, and that those who love him will listen to to him. And this elicits the famous response from Pilate, what is truth? Truth is a key concept in the whole book of John. In John 1, 1, sorry, what John 1, 14 and 17, Jesus is described as being full of grace and truth. In John 3, 21, it's living by the truth that brings us into the light. In John 4, 23 to 24, true worshippers worship God in spirit and in truth. In John 8, 32, it's knowing the truth that sets us free. In John 8, 44, we're told that there's no truth in the devil and those who align, align with him. In John chapters 14 to 17, John, Jesus promises to send the spirit of truth to the disciples who will guide them into all truth. In John 14, 6, John, Jesus declares, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In John 17, 17, we're told that the word of God is truth and that it sanctifies us. Truth is a key concept. And so having built all this, this um, uh, information about truth, Jesus brings truth before Pilate. And Pilate is left floundering. What is truth? Of course, the reality is that ultimate truth is standing there right in front of him. That's the irony of the whole situation He's questioning what is truth, and truth is there right in front of him in the person of Jesus. And the whole response of it is like the jaded outlook of a cynical Roman governor. You see, Pilate is an interesting historical character. From the moment he'd arrived in Jerusalem, he'd been upsetting the Jews. The first thing he did was marched in with the banners flaring and the the Jews believed they were like um, idolatrous signs and immediately there was a a riot in Jerusalem the moment Pilate arrived. Then he had some others killed who he thought were rioting. Later, he took money out out of the temple coffers and built an aqueduct. That wasn't popular either. He made mistake after mistake, so much so that Emperor Tiberius um, 
condemned him for his heavy handling of the Jews, his heavy treatment. After the crucifixion in AD 36, he was sent home in disgrace to Rome for war crimes against the Samaritans. Basically, he sent his army in against the Samaritans and wiped half of them out. So Pilate was not very lucky as a governor. Not exactly um, very clever. And it's thought he met his end when he was invited by the Emperor Caligula to commit suicide. So his whole story is a bit sad, isn't it? And here we have, right in the midst of that whole encounter, him before the King of Kings, standing, asking what is truth. Standing in the weariness and the frustration of his governorship, trying to work out what to do with this man who is like no other man who is standing before him. What is truth? What is truth? In an age where we hear politicians fatuously debating, like Hillary and Donald, where the media gives us biased reports on television and through the papers, when we're told that there's no such thing as ultimate truth, but that each one of us must find out for ourselves what is true and live by it. This question, what is truth, has contemporary resonance. We live in a world that, like Pilate, has become cynical. There are no real answers, or at least the answers the world provides don't satisfy. People look for spiritual reality, but in all the wrong places. And many would not even consider the church as a place to come for answers. To avoid the question, people fill their lives with empty pursuits that bring short-term pleasure, or which inoculate them from the pain of not knowing. And yet the question still remains, what is truth? Truth can only be found in Jesus Christ. He is the answer to the ultimate question of the universe. He is 42. He's the beginning and the end, and everything in the middle. Only in relation to him does everything else make sense. He gives life, meaning, and purpose. He gives a framework from which to make sense of the world. He's the only one who is worthy for us to put our trust in. We can't put it in politicians. They will let us down. We can't put it in football teams, as I know to my cost this season. (laughs) Or even football players. They will rise today and fall tomorrow. We can't put it in pop stars. They're all self-obsessed. We can't even put our trust ultimately in anyone, but only in Jesus. He has promised to never leave us or forsake us. He has promised to be with us in everything we go through. He has promised to safeguard our future with him. Life only makes sense when it's anchored in Jesus. And this confrontation with Jesus leads Pilate to try and acquit him. Something of the encounter has brought Pilate back to the reality of life. And he realizes that Jesus is innocent. Pilate declares, I find no fault in him. They've said he's an evildoer. I find no fault in him. Faultless, Jesus went to the cross on our behalf. Faultless, he suffered and died to bring us eternal life. And what is that life? As we heard last week, that we might know him and the father who sent him. 
Eternal life is that reconnection, that relationship that's established with God the Father through Jesus and through what he did on the cross. Just one last thing before I conclude. The last couple of verses talk about them asking for Barabbas. Despite the offer to free Jesus, the the Jews insist that a substitute be released in his place. Barabbas. The name Barabbas means son of the father. Isn't that ironic? The real son of the father was innocent, but condemned. The substitute son of the father was guilty and yet released. In the same way, Jesus is our substitute, who has borne our sin on our behalf, that we the guilty might go free and enter into sonship with the Father. Barabbas in this instance stands for us, each one of us, a sinner condemned. And yet Jesus has been the substitute who has paid the price and has brought us freedom because he has stood in our place, though innocent and faultless. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll sing our last song. There be, be, should be prayer afterwards if anyone wants it. Father, we thank you for your son. Thank you for all that you reveal to us about him and all that he's done for us. We want to give you praise for your son this morning. And we want to honor you, our father. Lord, thank you that Jesus is our model. And may we each be more like him as we live day by day. Amen.